Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, friendo, Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw Countout. It's the top 10 weekly show that we do right here at www.youtube.com forward slash Stephen Larson. Available wherever podcasts can be found. We're also on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson. Tomorrow's SummerSlam, Larson. It is. Very exciting. We're going to be live streaming tonight. uh, NXT TakeOver. Our reactions to that. Correct. Sadly, WWE does not let us co-stream like the number one wrestling company in the world does. Triple A. Triple A also will be doing the reaction live stream for SummerSlam tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Speaking of tomorrow, Sunday, our massive blowout sale going on to friendomarket.com concludes Sunday at the conclusions of SummerSlam. I think it actually goes through Monday. Maybe it goes through Monday. I anyway, it it's happening. Uh, 25% off everything at friendomarket.com using the promo code BLOWOUT. Yeah, BLOWOUT. Blowout. We got, I think we should have maybe plenty of more. <clears throat> I know we got plenty of logo shirts. We got plenty of Actually, like we're pretty, there's not a whole lot of logo shirts left back there. In, unless we, you have some at your place. Uh, yeah, all the all ones right. that we took to Vegas, I brought gotcha. with me. Okay, then we should have plenty. Home. Um, so, yeah, we got a bunch of those. We got uh, we got a little bit, little bit of everything. We don't have sizes and everything necessarily. Mm. But go check it out. We got sticker packs. Uh, you can get three, six, nine, or 12 uh, stickers in Prince, a pack. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, prints. All sorts of stuff. Uh, and yeah, 25% out. It's kind of our uh, uh, Black Friday sale, but in the summer. The summer August. Yeah, the next time we're going to have a sale this deep is going to be in December. Yes. Or November, rather. November, Black Friday, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of SummerSlam, that's yeah. happening tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, let's talk SummerSlam, namely Weird SummerSlam. Uh, you know, the, the WWE, they love their, their, their you know, the over, overwritten storylines. Sometimes a lot kind of odd. They like their weird stipulations at Some, times. Yeah, SummerSlam has seemingly given Vince McMahon license to do weird stuff on the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Like Mania, generally you close the show out with a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, SummerSlam, not so much, especially lately. Yeah, recent years, not so much. Let's recount some of these real quick. So in 2011, you had John Cena and CM Punk uh, determining who true WWF champion is, WWE champion. Uh, Punk wins, only have Alberto Del Rio uh, cash in on him after Kevin Nash comes in and drops him with a powerbomb. That was weird and sad. Yeah. That was weird and sad. Because you think Kevin Nash, it's like, oh, cool. But then he had, like, died. 
his hair so he looked more like Diesel, which was weird. Uh, yeah, it was just a little weird. And then on top of that, you just know that it's Nash, so it's like, oh, he's not going to be able to go very good. Well, that was the idea is that he was going to have a program with Punk. He wasn't cleared, and so Triple H ended up having the program with yeah, Punk. Yeah, that was all weird. It was all weird. That was all weird. Not weird enough to make this list, though. Following year, uh, Lesnar comes back. Uh, he has a program with Triple H. He beats him. Is that the main event? Uh, I don't think it was the main event in 2012. Mm. Uh, 2013, of course, Daniel Bryan beats John Cena for the WWE title, mm-hmm. only for Andy Orton to cash in on him right away. Uh, 2014, we'll get to more on that in a little bit. 2015, you got Taker and Lesnar. Yeah, that, that Lesnar, Triple H, because that was when oh, Lesnar, right when he came yeah, back, yeah, yeah. so he was hot. Uh, 2015, Taker and, and Lesnar. Uh, that was the match where uh, Brock passed out to Hell's Gate while giving uh, Taker the middle finger. Again, weird, and not like you're not overwhelmingly excited or happy about that. It was just kind of weird. Taker gets his win back after Brock beats Mania, pretty much is what it was. And then uh, 2016, uh, Lesnar again beats Orton, busts him open with a shoot elbow. And this was like right before this was the Universal Championship match where Finn Balor, who everybody loved. Yeah, people were crapping on that match because they were crapping on the belt. Yeah, Live but, in, no, in yeah, yeah, but yeah. still, it was a, that was a happy ending. I mean, p- yeah, people yeah. liked Finn winning, but then they decide to go ahead with a non-title matchup after that, where yeah. Brock splits open Randy Orton's skull yeah. and blood's everywhere, and, and it was then, just an awkward, weird and match. And Face end. Shane gets involved, and he gets F five. It was a weird ending to the show. Yeah, uh, and then uh, twenty eighteen, not necessarily a bummer ending, but just a weird ending where Roman beats Brock after an absolute mess of a match where Braun was like, "I'm going to cash in, but I don't know how." Brock throws the briefcase up the ramp. Uh, Braun leaves that show kind of looking like a chump. Yeah. Uh, Roman has to have all sorts of weird stuff going on to win the title off Brock. I think it was like supposed to... No, I, I think I think like what was supposed to have been... like Vince originally wanted that to be kind of like a happy ending. Like the idea of Roman beating Brock. They couldn't end that show fast enough. They couldn't. Though. Yeah, I know. And I think that's what they realized. Like, you know, whenever they decided to pull the trigger on that ending, which is probably same day... Like, you know, halfway during the show, uh, they were just like, yeah, we just need to hightail it out of here. And I kind of feel like it was all set to be a bait and switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, regardless, I don't think it was meant to be like this awesome, happy moment. It wasn't supposed to be a coronation, no. No, it wasn't. No. Uh, but anyways, we got 10 weird ending or 10 weird SummerSlam matches yeah. that maybe top all those. Let's hop right into it, Larson. Yes. Number 10. 10. Brock Lesnar versus John Cena, 2014. Correct. Yeah, two years after Brock returned. Uh, this was uh, a couple months after, of course, WrestleMania, where Brock beat Undertaker yeah. uh, to end Undertaker's streak. Let's go back to WrestleMania oh, streak. Yes. One. There we go. Yes. Um, so uh, John Cena had won the undisputed title at Money in the Bank um, after Daniel Bryan had to vacate the title due mm-hmm. to injury. Yeah. <clears throat> and so uh, Cena, you know, he was Mr. WWE. Lol Cena wins. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, he basically won everything. Yep. And if he lost, it was highly competitive. Correct. And 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 we had never seen John Cena get manhandled no. to the degree he did in this match. He looked Brock. like a local enhancement talent. He did. Within 30 seconds, Brock drops him with an F5. Cena kicks out. Crowd gasps. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching it and gasping. Yeah. yeah. It was a level of brutality we're not used to seeing in WWE. It was very uncomfortable. And it involved like WWE superhero John Cena. This was It was very much akin to Superman 2. Yes. When Superman was depowered yeah. and had to deal with, you know, Zod and Non and all that. And Ursa. Yeah. Ursa. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Was very akin to that. Yeah. It, it or was. even when depowered Clark Kent went into the diner and got beat up by a truck driver. By, yeah, pro wrestler truck driver. Yeah. yeah. 
but although it didn't have the the, the screwball uh, bit where uh, he gets slid down the the bar of the diner, right? That Richard Lester added in, yeah. Know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so yeah, what was it? 16, 15 F5s? Was 16, it 16 German suplexes, two F5s. Yeah. It was 16 minutes of Brock Lesnar destroying John Cena. Yeah, all very uncomfortable. The crowd was like, what are we watching right now? Which, yeah, everybody at home was too. Yeah, and it was got to the point where it was like, okay, Lesnar, just put, put Cena out of his misery. It was one of those things where it was like... <laughs> It was like 2K19 where you have the weird negative sign. Yeah. Uh, but, no, it was one of those things where you thought, where you knew that you were watching something, for better or worse, something pretty special. You know? It's like every once in a while, Vince will put together one of these things that it's, like, truly shocking. Yeah. And it's like, man, you know, you spent the last uh, 12 years building up John Cena to be the most undefeatable guy. Well, most, Cena wins. Yeah, exactly. And then for Brock Lesnar to come in, and he's now got Powers of Darkness, we're to assume, because he beat The Undertaker uh, mm-hmm. at WrestleMania, he comes in and just squashes John Cena like a bug. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. It, it seems to have a great have a great time doing it. Yeah, and it felt very... It was it was like Lesnar was super scary. Like, it was yeah. terrifying. Yeah, he was. So, uh, yeah. And then, of course, and honestly, they got... And they still do. They still do to this day. It's been five years. Got a lot of mileage out of that Brock Lesnar stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're still... They're milking that. And they're going to milk it. We'll see if they're going to milk it past uh, tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, they are. So, yeah. They, I feel like they are. Yeah, I think they will, too. Yeah, I think they will, Although too. we don't have any, like, official – or, sorry, official. We don't have any, like, confirmation on what Lesnar's contract status is like right now. Mm-mm. Didn't, like, the last thing we heard, he might have signed another deal with WWE? Yeah, after Mania, right? Yeah, something like that. Anyways, let's move right ahead. Number nine. Nine. Bret Hart versus Doink the Clown. This is a SummerSlam 1993 – uh, this is weird on a variety of levels. Uh, namely, uh, if you get down to the ongoing uh, issues between Brett and Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. around this time, uh, as Brett would tell it, this was supposed to be the show, SummerSlam 93, was supposed to be Brett's coronation. Yeah. This was supposed to be when he beat Hogan for the title yeah. and was the undisputed top guy in the company. However... Pay-per-view prior, King of the Ring 93 is when Hogan decided to drop the title, not to Brett, to Yokozuna, and then right off into the sunset, at least for about a year, before showing up at WCW. W Steve W. So instead of Brett uh, winning the title at this show, he's uh, mired in a feud with Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Lawler attacks him at the conclusion of uh, King of the Ring 93, at least the tournament itself, when Brett won, mm-hmm. proclaiming himself the only true king of pro wrestling. Yeah. So WWF. That was his nickname, Jerry the, the King. king yeah. Although he took it far more literally in WWF than he did in Memphis. Let me ask you something. So I know, like, when you, you've often said that, you know, like when you were a kid. Yeah. To you, wrestling was one thing. It was WWF. You yeah. didn't really know about NWA, WCW, right? Much less Mid South, any of the other. When stuff. they brought Jerry the King Lawler in, were they were people expected to know like the legend of Jerry the King Lawler? Well, I think if you were a kid, like you were, I mean, you were a teenager by then. Yeah. Would you have been like, "Who's this guy?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even a couple of years prior to this, when when Ric Flair came to WWF, you're like, who's "There's a guy? lot of people like who who the hell is this this Flair guy? Why does he have a weird? Where's all his muscles?" <laughs> Why is he so saggy? Why does he have a pixelated title? Yeah. Why is he calling it the real world title? Yeah. This is really confusing. It was all really confusing. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't know if it was, if my case was isolated or there's a lot of people 
In Sam Roberts camp. claimed the same thing. Yeah, on where, his podcast. where you know, in the eighties and nineties, um, if you weren't made aware of any other wrestling, WWF was wrestling. Right. Yeah. And there was no other promotion. So if Ric Flair come come on my screen and be like, "What's that title? That's not WWF title. Who's this guy? What's this track? He doesn't look. He doesn't look like Hogan or Sid." <laughs> Where his muscles go? Yeah, where his muscles go? <laughs> Do you leave his muscles in his other promotion? He took the belt but left his muscles. <laughs> Anyways, so I remember listening to I can't remember what it, uh, which which episode it was or something to wrestle with, where Pritchard was talking about the Bret Hart Lawler feud, and of course this is around the new generation, and so he was saying something like, "Yeah, we were focusing on on all this new younger talent," and Connor's <laughs> like, "Hold on." <laughs> Lawler's like 40 here. God, is he our age there? I, maybe. I can't tell if he looks older or younger than I us. I mean, he'd already been wrestling for a very long time. <laughs> he already won like 300 titles in <laughs> Memphis. Right, right. So he was born in 49. So he'd been 44. Okay. So yeah. 43. He's actually 43 uh, when this goes down. So it's it's early 90s WB is just a weird time oh, period. It's, so weird. it's super weird. It's bizarre. There's like two 1993 SummerSlams on this list. Oh, matches from that? Yeah. Matches, yeah. Um, so, Brett is scheduled to take on Lawler at this show. Brett comes to the ring. Which is, by the way, a huge step. I know, uh, to the people of Memphis, maybe it's not a huge step down from Hulk Hogan, but obviously, fight competing for the title against Hulk Hogan and being coronated the, the, the face of the company and then having an instead fight. A uh, mid-card feud against a newly arriving <laughs> Jerry Lawler. <laughs> Right, exactly. So Lawler comes out and he's on crutches. He's got uh, uh, ice on his knee, like a knee brace. Mm-hmm. And says, "So I showed up here in Detroit, went to the rental car, rented a limousine, and was driving it, which defeats the purpose of renting a limousine. If you rent a limousine, you have someone drive it for you anyway." So he says he he was leaving the airport, the parking lot of the rental car place, got on the freeway. Uh, someone cut him off, caused a huge accident, uh, and thus he was injured. He said, "Nothing's going to keep me from wrestling." But then the doctors backstage said I couldn't wrestle. Instead, and you have Owen Hart and Bruce Hart sitting ringside. Mm-hmm. They're mad. They're yeah. super mad. I feel like they did that a lot in the 90s. They really did. There were a lot of hearts at ringside being mad. There always was. Yeah. The following, when Owen and Brett were feuding. The whole family. Same thing. Yeah. Mad. Stu, Helen, all of them. Doug, all the Stu hearts. Stu is the most appropriate name for that guy. Yeah. He looks like a guy who just stews. Yeah, I know. So uh, uh, Lawler introduces... The man who's going to replace him in the match, his court jester, Doink the Evil Clown. And so Owen and Bruce, they hop the guardrail. They're mad. They're like trying to fight somebody. I think Lawler and refs are holding them back. Yeah. Match happens. And like, Brett, if you think you should be the face of the company, you should be having nine minute matches with Doink. Yeah. This should have lasted all like 30 seconds. It like, should, yeah. he, you know, slaps a sharpshooter on and, you know, leg sweeps a sharpshooter and you're good to go. That's yeah. it. And then you can get a move on. This is a long match. Doink got a lot of offense in. Yeah, it's nine minutes of match. <laughs> it should not have lasted that long. And part of it was like Brett is distracted by Lawler ringside. Uh, still, it should not have been. It should have been like a third of that. Uh, so Brett finally gets Doink in the sharpshooter. Lawler comes in, clubbers him with a crutch shot like around his neck. Oh, it looked it, that, that looked like looked it hurt. Bad. It looked bad. So Lawler and and Doink are walking up the ramp. Out comes Jack Tunney. Jack Tunney says, no, you go back there. You have this match against Brett. Match happens. Brett puts Lawler in the sharpshooter. Lawler taps. 
calls for the bell. Bill Alfonso's a ref. Uh, and then uh, Brett won't release the hold, so the decision is reversed. Lawler wins by DQ. Yeah. It's just an overbooked mess. Yeah, and then the bottom line is when you look it up on Wikipedia, it just says Jerry Lawler beats Bret Hart. I Granted, I know it says by disqualification, but still, it's like Bret loses, technically loses that match. Um, yeah, that whole entire thing is such a massive step down from what they... This feud kept on going, too. Yeah. It was the following Survivor Series where it was like Team Lawler with all the all the doinks. Yeah. Against te- it just kept on going. Yeah, it's bizarre. It went on forever, seemingly. It's it's absolutely bizarre, and it's just a weird. It's just a, it's just weird. A weird situation. Brett found himself in instead of competing for the top title in the company. I mean, it took him until the next Mania to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, of course, a SummerSlam uh, where uh, uh, another title match took place, which we're going to talk about a little yeah. bit later. But first, before that, we do have another heart on this list. Yes, and he's a number eight. Number eight. Eight. Ken Shamrock versus Owen Hart in the Lion's Den. Lion's Den match. So, of course, Lion's Den is what uh, Ken Shamrock called his fight camp. Mm-hmm. I believe it was here in Sacramento at the time. That's where yeah, he's built from. That's where he built from. Um, and so, WB, I don't remember if this was before or after Brawl for All, thought, okay, we just had Owen versus Ken in a, a Stu Hart dungeon match. Yeah. The pay per view prior, fully loaded, I believe you said. Um, yes. So let's follow that up since it. that was in uh, Owen's wheelhouse in the, the, the basement uh, gym where he uh, learned how to wrestle. He knows those walls better than anybody yes. else. Let's have one in, uh, in, in on Ken Shamrock's home turf, so to say. Yeah. So they built kind of like an octagon-shaped structure, except it was, it was shaped more like a cone. So it was rounder and not quite so you know uh, geometric in its obvious octagon shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it was wider at the top than it was at the floor. Yeah. And uh, above the cage, on kind of like a, a catwalk that encircled the entire cage, was the referee. Referee was not in the ring. They claimed the ring was too small to accommodate a referee. Which it did. They had some like over the you know over the top shots of it. That yeah, the actual floor was it. really small. It, it was very small. Um, so you have the structure that's supposed to mimic the UFC octagon. Um, and so do you have a shoot style wrestling match? Shoot style MMA match in this structure? No, no. You essentially have a pro wrestling match. Yeah, they were doing things like Irish whips, but into the cage. You know, like people were bouncing off and trying to run, but there's no momentum. There was like suplexes. So the, what I noted during the match was there. There is the idea in MMA, of course, of being able to intelligently defend yourself. That's if I'm on top of Larson pummeling his face. I have my hands up, and you're intelligently defending yourself. If your hands are down here and I'm just wailing away on that face, that's when the ref comes in and calls it TKO. He, yeah, it gets me out. He's like, he's not able to intelligently defend himself anymore. Well, of course, in wrestling, you can sit there and just be doing, you know, punching them in the face. And if they're doing this, it's all good because, yeah. like, they're fake punches. And, like, apparently that's not a big deal. But, of course, there's no referee in the actual structure to come in and intervene and stop the match mm-hmm. if someone is can't intelligently defend themselves. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, and then, oh, Dan Severn was also uh, Owen Hart's trainer for this match. As he didn't he didn't he oh he was the ref for the lion for the lions no the, the, the dungeon, dungeon match. match that's yeah. right yeah so he was heavily involved in this this actually this feud oddly all goes back to there was like a weird confluence of feuds because when I was I was doing my research on it I don't really remember this that much even though I know we were all watching at the time I remember, yeah I remember watching this one it goes back I remember watching this I just don't remember the feud that led to it prior to the lions den like I remember bits and pieces. But it all had to do with King of the Ring because Shamrock, one King of the Ring, yeah, was King of the Ring. Triple H was a King of the Ring winner, and uh, Owen Hart, of course, a couple of years prior, '94, was King of the Ring winner. And so they all 
like got into a thing together and then those like rivalries sort of split up triple a started taking on the rock and then these two started facing off and you get dan severn in there who obviously is a legend in mma well he and shamrock had their own battles in ufc as well yeah exactly and so you get him involved and uh and yeah they had this lion's den thing this was filmed so uh, uh, SummerSlam 98 was at Madison Square Madison Garden. Madison Square Garden, and there's a, a theater underneath yes. the main arena. Yeah. And that's where this match took place. Yeah, that's where this was. Um, and then, yeah, like we were talking about, there it was more like a pro wrestling match. There wasn't really a whole lot of actual MMA stuff beyond the MMA-type stuff that Ken Shamrock really sort of incorporated into his own wrestling yeah. moveset. Yeah. yeah, totally. But it was weird. It, it was, yeah, like you said, it was a cone. Um, it was just kind of bizarre. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rather than getting a shoot style match, it was just as I put here a pro wrestling match in a funnel. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was a funnel. Yeah, uh, it says in your notes here it was a revisited the following year. Yeah, Shamrock had a, a, a Lions Den match the following year against Steve Blackman. Um, they had some sort of partnership going into this match against Owen, mm. um, but the second one had weapons involved. So uh, I'm sorry, who won this uh, Lions Den? Ken match? Shamrock did. Shamrock. Owen okay, tapped out to uh, ankle lock. Okay. Severn was about to throw the towel and just walked away. That's kind of rad. He was over Owen Hart. And then who won the Blackman match? Oh, I don't know. Probably Shamrock. I mean, you'd think this is his gimmick. Freaking Lions Den match. This is his gimmick match, yes. Anyways, moving on. Number seven. Seven. Team WWE versus Team Nexus. This was SummerSlam 2010. Correct. Uh, Of course, this was the big Nexus storyline when they debuted on Monday Night Raw back in 2010, uh, destroying everything. Daniel Bryan destroyed Justin Roberts' neck. Which, uh, for a brief moment, destroyed uh, Daniel Bryan's WWE career. Yeah, but for like the 15th time that year, they brought him back. Uh, And, uh, of course, this was uh, John Cena. Uh, I always thought this was actually Team Cena, but this was Team WWE. Wasn't Bret Hart on his team here? Who else was on his team? Jericho, John Morrison, Bret Hart, uh, Edge. What a weird... Cena. What a weird conglomerate there. There's one other person that escapes me. And of course, Team Nexus led. Oh, Daniel Bryan was on Team WWE. That's right. He came back That's as right. Team WWE. Back for that, yeah. And then, uh, of course, Team Nexus, Wade Barrett, uh, Ryback. We should do an, a list on like the top ten wrestlers that it, that are like oddly liked by Vince McMahon. You know, like Kevin Owens never came off to me like a Vince McMahon guy. It is obvious. Well, it's been obvious since day one that he's been a big Vince McMahon if, guy. If 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 Hulk Hogan's be believed during the Stone Cold podcast, he's kind of the one. That uh, that put spotlight on Kevin Owens. He's like, oh, I didn't hear that. Part. Oh yeah, he's like, yeah, I was watching some of uh, Kevin Owens' NXT stuff, and uh, I was, I was, I was, I was really impressed. And so no one else was really high on him at WWE. And so I like talked to some people. Like Kevin Owens' second match in NXT, he won the title. His <laughs> yeah. debut, he yeah. beat CJ Parker, Juice Robinson. Now, yeah. And the end of that show, when Sami Zayn beat Neville for the NXT title, Kevin Owens laid him out. They put him in the main event scene immediately. immediately. Literally immediately. His second match, pretty much. At least yeah. the second takeover match was for the title, and yeah. he won. Wow. Yeah, Triple H was huge on Kevin Owens. I don't Owens. think Hulk Hogan had any input on him. Well, okay, back up, though. See, I, I know, I know. you got to take pretty much everything Hogan says a grain of salt. Except, uh, I do. Vince probably listens to Hogan a little bit. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, let's get back to this. So, uh, this has been examined, uh, analyzed, 
several different ways. Oh, one thing I was about gonna, how. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, one thing I don't mean to cut you off. One thing I was going to mention about Ken Shamrock. I didn't realize is he's got now the Lions Den Ministries. Oh, he's a minister. Yeah, not only is that. Ken Shamrock a legendary cage fighter who's known as the world's most dangerous man, mm-hmm. he's also a God-fearing Christian with a ministry to help troubled youth. He is the founding father of Lions Den Ministries, a non-for-profit uh, that serves as a mouthpiece to troubled youth and young adults. That's really cool. I think that's fantastic. Good for him. Good uh, for Ken Shamrock. Uh, anyways, I'm sorry. Getting back to so this. So this, this match has been picked apart all sorts of different ways. There's essentially uh, uh, the idea that John Cena single-handedly buried the Nexus. I think that's been more or less firmly established. Yeah. Um, we have two different takes here with some notes and some quotes. Uh, you picked out some stuff from Wade Barrett. I picked out some stuff from the leader of C Nation himself. Ah. Um, if you want to handle the Wade Barrett stuff, read through this, at least, or if not the whole thing, the salient bits, and I'll cover the Cena stuff. Point counterpoint. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, like we said, this is, well, for one thing, this was an inside the ropes interview. They do those awesome, like, QA things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the transcript here is courtesy of All in One Sports. Uh, so, the question was posed as part of the Nexus, you beat Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, beat Vince McMahon, and very chival- chivalrously. That's a hard word to say. Beat up Bret Hart. But then came a great fight at SummerSlam 2010, Nexus versus Team WWE. And we all thought Nexus was going to win, but John Cena was the last one to survive. Did you guys think you were going to win that or John C- or that John Cena and other team and the other team were going to get uh, upstairs? We're going to get upstairs or upset. Upstairs? Upset? Anyways. Anyways. Uh, Wade Barrett said <clears throat> this. Not only did we think we were going to win, as this was the first test of this killer group we had, it was our first test, and it was against the WWE superstars. We were newbies, and we had a lot of hatred of part of the public, and we believed that it was our opportunity to demonstrate our credibility and that we were going to win. And then we asked him, why is John Cena winning? We really need to win this fight. Arn Anderson put his hand up and said, as if swearing, this has nothing to do with me. They'll have to go and talk to Vince about this. So trying to talk to Vince on a pay-per-view day or a day where there's a TV show is difficult. So we spent almost an hour following him and waiting outside his office to be able to talk to him. And we talked to him and we said, Vince, we have the situation. We've just been told that John Cena is going to win and leave as a figure of the fight. We think it's a bad idea and we have to be victorious. I'm sort of like a little suspicious on this transcript, but I, if you just get the gist of yeah, it, get I the think gist it's there. It, yes. Yeah. He said, Vince looked me in the eye and said, the reason we're going to do that is because SummerSlam needs to have a happy ending. Uh, so earlier in this episode, we illustrated the literally the last like seven years, uh, dating back to like right after this. He says, uh, I wanted the children to go home happy, and against that point, you cannot do anything. Can't argue that point. You can't, oh, you can't, okay. He said, from that moment on, I knew they were lying to me. It was a meaningless response, and to this day, I still believe it was a terrible idea, and I do not think you're going to find someone with a certain level of rationality who says that was a correct decision. Now, counterpoint John Cena. Okay, so this is at some event called the Evening with John Cena. It took place in Australia in 2017, transcripted from Wrestling Inc. So he was asked about this. Quote, uh, this has been a topic of debate amongst really hardcore WB fans for quite some time because it's their sentiment that I should have lost that match. Why, do, why did I win that match? Because that is what we did. It's difficult for me to blur the lines on this, but I show up to work and do what I'm told. I will give you the gratification of this. I don't pick how the story is told. I get told that, but I do pick what goes on in the story. So extrapolate. What do you think he means with that? I don't pick how the story is told, but I do get pick what goes on in the story. So I think what he's saying is he doesn't pick who wins and loses, but he is integral in telling that story. That's how I read it. I kind of feel like he's saying... the. 
he's kind of contradicting himself. I don't pick how the story is told, but I do pick what goes on in that story. He's, I don't pick how the story is told. I get told so, that. So I think what he's saying is he doesn't get told the nature of the storytelling of the story, but he does get to pick like the individual story beats. Right. So I think he, he shows up and they say, well, here's John. This is the story that we want to tell. Uh, the Nexus is this hot upcoming thing. Let's say, let's say Vince is, let's say Vince was telling the truth, which I doubt, uh, to Wade Barrett. And he wants uh, SummerSlam to have a happy ending. He goes to John Cena and says, hey, John, we're going to have a happy ending for the kids. Uh, so uh, what's going to happen is Nexus is going to come out really strong. Uh, then you're going to take on the last two guys and you're going to stay standing. And then John then probably is like the guy who produces the match at that point. Well, him and Arn. Arn's his guy. Or yeah. was his guy. Right, yeah. Uh, anyways, he continues. In that particular moment, it was too much. I think if presented another way, it could have been a little more palpable. Palatable. Palatable, sorry. But I can't change the television show. I've never had that power, and that's something I don't do. If you look at a laundry list of my opponents, you can tell that is exactly how I operate. I guessed wrong on the way that the story was told, and I guess that's why people are so up in arms about it. But we tell so many stories, I was wrong once. So extrapolate that, please. Well, he says, uh, I guessed wrong on the way that story was told. So maybe in his mind, he thought, oh, if I win at SummerSlam, that'll, he he that'll help the end goal of getting the Nexus over. Yeah. So maybe in his mind, he thought, oh, if I win here, down the line, they can get their win back in some dramatic fashion. Mm -hmm. In the end, they'll be over even you know, even more. Yeah. Or seen as more of a threat, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Didn't work out that way. No, it didn't. I mean, after this, they did try to tell more story. This wasn't the Oh, yeah, it went Cena on for a while. And of course, then there was that, you know, match where Cena literally buried Wade Bader under, Wade Bader under a pile of chairs. Yeah. At a certain, I think that was the... At TLC. Yeah. That was a blow-off or something I like think that. that's when, like, Cena... Because Cena had been... He was forced to join the Nexus, I think, up to that point. Um, so that's kind of interesting that even he does... I mean, regardless, what he's saying is very abstract. You know, I mean, you can try to figure it out. He's, he's kind of trying not, he's talking around the question. Yeah. Talking uh, around an answer. But the bottom line is he did seem to regret uh, the end result of mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. even though it seemed pretty obvious from like everybody's standpoint how that really should have gone. Like you keep the bad guy hot as you can possibly do. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But yeah, it, it was just sort of weird and that weird. And it was like the ultimate Lulcina wins moment. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, what do you got there? What are you looking up there? Uh, this is what Edge had to say about it. He's on talk. This is Jericho. This is back in 2013. So Jericho asked him. It was there was a talk as Jericho in 2013. Yeah, man. Uh, so Jericho. This is from Cage Side Seats. Says it was Team WWE versus Team Nexus. Fish boiled down to you and me. We were in there seeing against a couple of them. John wanted to do things a certain way, and we told him you're wrong. Remember that. And he did it anyways, and it sucked. And then afterwards, he came over to us and said, I should have listened to you, but I wasn't seeing it that way. And sometimes you just don't see it that way, you know? And Edge responds, it's one of those things where he was adamant about what he wanted to do. And I remember I was like, fine, I'm out of the match by that point. Jericho says, exactly. I want to get, he wanted to get DDT'd on the floor by Barrett and then kick out and beat them both. And you and I were like, that's the dumbest thing. That's just like throwing it away for no reason. Edge responds, they should have gone over because they were so hot. Jericho says we were fighting for Barrett to go over, and in all fairness, words Wade Barrett. Now they should have listened to us. Yeah, yeah. Man, how how long has Jericho been doing talking? Forever, uh, at least six years. That article seriously from twenty thirteen. That's what his date is. The date oh, is. here we go. December. Oh, that was a very one of the first ones. 
Yeah, it says here, uh, December 4th, 2013, announcement, Fozzie Singer, Chris Jericho launches wow. Talk as Jericho podcast. Wow. I had no idea he was doing that. Doing forever, man. My goodness. Anyways. Uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Number six. Six. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Kane versus Matt Hardy. The SummerSlam 2004 is a till death do us part match, as you can see by the, the photograph here if you're watching it on YouTube. Uh, you can tell who won. Stipulation, this match for won the match, got to marry Alita. Well, that looks like Kane marrying Alita there. Yeah, so he won the match. Uh, Matt Hardy, you know, not surprising that he did the broken stuff, uh, given how many very dramatic soap opera-ish storylines he was a part of. Of course, the year prior to this, he had a grudge match with Edge, over the real it was, life. It was after this. I think, what year was this? 20, 2004, wasn't the Edge stuff? Oh, after I'm sorry, this? 2005 was Edge. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, it was a year after. Uh, he was in the, yeah, the grudge match with Edge over the real life stuff with Edge, Lita, and Matt Hardy. Yeah, um, this wasn't real. This was all soap opera stuff. Yeah. So apparently <laughs> after was, WrestleMania 20, yeah. Kane lost to Undertaker. Kane uh, became smitten with Lita. Lita was like, no. I think um, I think Matt Hardy had said by the time they got to the to the match the next year, like I think I swear I thought he said something along the lines of that Edge and Lita weren't even a couple anymore. Hmm. Like that stuff was so far had already run its course in real life, and that's why Matt Hardy was totally fine coming back to do it, even though Edge apparently was a bit. That's what I saw in some Matt Hardy thing, but also he's been known to blur the truth in his own social media posts and his vlog stuff. Yeah, from back yeah. In the day. So I'm not sure. Anyway, sorry. Go anyway, on. so it may. Of 2004, uh, Kane kidnapped Lita, and then uh, shortly thereafter, Lita announced that she was pregnant and assumed that Matt Hardy, her boyfriend, was the father. However, there was a paternity test done. Uh, Matt was not the father, so I guess that meant that Kane had to be the father. Well, that makes sense. It's like a Jerry Springer thing. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they had a match in 2004, as I mentioned. SummerSlam 2004, until death do us part. Winner got to marry Lita, and Kane uh, did that, photographed here, uh, August 23rd episode of Raw. Uh, and then uh, uh, Snitsky got involved in the whole thing. Uh, he was, had a match with Kane. Uh, Kane fell on Lita. They were worried about a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, at some point, Snitsky did kick a baby. Yeah, he, well, uh, drop kicked or, no, punted. 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 I mean, yeah. it's still a kick. Yeah. Um, what do you call it when, uh, uh, yeah, that's a punt. It's a punt. That's we a drop punt. it. And kick. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. drop something and kick it. That's a punt. Yes. Um, so yeah, that is a pretty weird 
It's all weird. They were big on around this time. They were really big on the on the more soap opera esque yes. elements. I mean, heading into sort of like the early days of the this is uh, all ruthless aggression era stuff was very soap opery. Yeah, but I mean, in the early in the earlier days of it, like even a couple of years before this, I mean, I don't remember them being so heavy on the soap opera stuff. It was more like, hey, who's gonna grab that brass ring type thing? But they really, especially with Matt Hardy, they really started diving into the soap opery stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, like kids being born. Of course, obviously, we're gonna talk about this in a little bit. Uh, we've got uh, custody battles being fought over with, yeah. in ladder matches. Yeah. Um, yeah, all sorts of crazy stuff going on. For the, the dots. Ash, yeah, for the actual match, uh, Lita was firmly behind Matt. She wanted him to win. Well, yeah. So much so that she tossed the ring bell in there, yeah. distracted the ref. Matt Clock came with the ring bell. He got his foot in the rope. And then Matt tries to do like a DDT off the top rope. Caden uh, just grabs him. Actually, it was really awesome. Choke slam off the top, mm-hmm. picked up the win, mm-hmm. and then uh, upset, dejected Lita, just like runs backstage and canes us in the ring, laughing and smiling. In the end, do, uh, I kind of think that Lita, had she remained married to Kane, probably would have been a good decision on her part, given that he is a hot, hot. Up and coming star, but what if they don't see the eye to politics? eye, eye to eye politically? That could cause issues. Uh, you got Mary Madeline and uh, James Carville. I'm not saying it can't work. Yeah, are they still married? Uh, I never see them anymore. I don't really watch political shows anymore. It's too depressing. I don't know if he's on political shows anymore. They're both kind of old. Yeah, let's find out. Let's see if James Carville and uh, James Carville. Let's see here. Spouse? Yeah, Mary Madeline still to this day. Yep. There you go. Oh, that's funny. She's not even a re- Republican anymore. She's a Libertarian. Not surprising. Oh, wow. She was named PETA's Person of the Year. Hmm. Good for her. Because she, the organization cited her willingness to fight for the humane treatment of monkeys and farm animals. That's cool. That's nice. That's nice. Fight for those monkeys. Hmm. And farm animals. And animals, animals all, all, of all types. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, uh, moving on. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, it's good to drink water. Number, yeah, number five. Number five. Five. Oh, this is great. Oh, this is the best. The Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan. This had to have been the most public high profile. They were on the poster. This was advertised. It's the main event of the show. As like dream. Did this actually close out the show? Yeah. As like the ultimate dream match. And of course, HBK spent the entire match just trolling the crap. Out of one, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, tell us why, Larson. So, uh, I guess it was originally pitched as a babyface versus babyface, legend versus legend match. Like we've seen countless times. No heel. No no heel in the, in the equation. Just two legends saying, all right, let's see who's the best, essentially. Except Hogan didn't want it that way. He wanted to be the face. He wanted to get cheers from the crowd. Well, it was, wasn't it also pitched as a three? I'm getting to that. Okay, sorry. Uh, so Hogan wanted HBK to turn heel. And HBK was in the midst of like a really good heel run. And so he's like, well, I don't really want to do this, but all right. Um, and, and so as you mentioned, it was supposed to be three matches with Hogan winning this one at SummerSlam, HBK winning the next one, and then having a rubber match down the line. However, Hogan said no to that as well. Uh, he wanted to go over clean in their lone battle 
Um, HBK was dropping all sorts of great scathing shoot style promos about Hogan, talking about his politicking, how he's old, he can do anything. Um, is also during this program where HBK had that pro, that uh, promo in Montreal, mm-hmm. um, referencing left and right the screw job. Yeah, great Tro- stuff. trolling the crap. Oh heck yeah, fans. man, it was yeah. great. It was awesome. Um, and then uh, according to various accounts, Hogan either had uh, had approved of these promos beforehand. And then ended up complaining anyways to management about the content of these promos or didn't approve and complain to management about the content of these promos. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a mystery. Um, regardless, HPK, as you mentioned, oversold throughout the whole match, making a mockery of Hogan, making him look like a massive a-hole. Yeah. But then HPK relatively recently said um, that, that he didn't take it upon himself to do that. Management said, hey... We want you to wrestle like you did in 1997. When did he say that? Here, I'll find it again. That's interesting. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, it's because... So, by 2005... So, this was in 2018. Oh, it was during an Inside the Ropes thing. Oh, okay. Those are so great. Uh, this is from Sports Kita. This is kind of paraphrasing. Sean swore that he did not go into business for himself. Is that WWE's top officials told him they wanted him to be Shawn Michaels in 1997, and Sean said that was how the 1997 Shawn Michaels sold moves in a lot of his matches. So I wonder if this is pure speculation on my part. I'm trying to piece this together. I wonder if they said, "Hey," if Vince said, "Hey, we really want you to, you know, sell like you used to sell 1997," right? Maybe HBK was thinking back to, you know, back in 1997, I was a bit of an a-hole, right? Uh-huh. And so he was thinking... This is how I would have sold for Hogan in 1997. He's like, who did I really hate in, like, 1997? Probably Bret Hart. I wonder... I mean, I, I can't remember if, if if Shawn Michaels ever... God, I want to say he did. I mean, obviously, he was, like, the biggest troll there was in 1997. Um, when it came to his actual matches... Like, for example, with Bret Hart. Like, he sold like it was real. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was like one of those dudes. Like, he was a very dramatic, and, and, and I've heard people argue over the top seller in his first run. Yeah. But never cartoonish. No, I, I don't think he even, in my, in my personal opinion, Grant, I'm not, I, I never made best of HBK tapes like you did. Yeah. However, I'm the authority here. Uh, <laughs> you are. However, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember. I, th- I always thought that his Dolph Ziggler. The guy that it's always compared to him, and even right selling now, selling ability, yeah, yes. and the selling ability. I always felt that Dolph was like borderline cartoonish, and that's what separated him and Shawn Michaels. With Shawn Michaels, I always felt like his selling was actually fairly believable. Shawn, it was just very dramatic. It was dramatic. Shawn sold the way he did, I think, in his first run, especially to make you think that what the, the offense of his opponent hurt him. Yeah, right. Whereas I feel like Dolph, when he sells like that, he's just showing off that he can sell really well. Yeah, yeah. Like, you never get the sense when Dolph sells that he's actually being hurt. Right, yeah, exactly. Now, sometimes they can make for very dramatic matches like the Survivor Series. Now, I think, I know people compare Dolph selling to Michaels. I think the more appropriate and, and truer analogy would be someone like AJ Styles. Yes. Because yeah, AJ yeah, yeah, sells, yeah, yeah. And you get a sense that he's hurt. Or Mustafa Ali. Yeah, they're willing to throw their bodies all over the place, but it's all to show that their opponent's offense is hurting them. Yes. Make their opponents look good. That, yeah. And I think Dolph sells. I feel I feel like, I'm not going to the, the suggest I know what's in the man's head. I feel like Dolph sells to make himself look good, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. 
I yeah, I, I I don't believe for when was the inside the ropes thing? What what year was uh, it? This right up from twenty seventeen. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That, I mean, it, it might be the case. It might be the case where they said, hey, you know, we want you to be really dramatic with your selling, like you were back in nineteen ninety seven, like you were back during your first run. And he was like, so wait, now first off, I'm not going to get two more matches. Second off, this is Hogan, and he's being kind of a dick. Third, I had to turn heel. I had to turn heel just for, for this. this match when I was in the midst of a pretty good face run. Yeah, and now, now you're telling me how to wrestle. Even you're telling me how to do all that stuff. Fine, you want that? I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out there and he just cartoonishly oversells yeah. everything. Yeah. I wonder if that was just him proving a point and trolling. Oh yeah. In any event, that was a huge troll job. I don't care what he said two years ago. He was trolling the crap out of Hulk Hogan. Oh, hell yeah, man. Oh, that's great. It is amazing. It is. It is absolutely very it is amazing. It is, it is amazing. It is great. And he Hulk Hogan. It's just like. Well, he does a thing. Like, I know he does it during matches when things are going according to plan, but he holds his fist up. He, like, looks around. <laughs> and I think he's trying to act befuddled. Yeah. yeah. But it seemed very genuine in this instance. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Maybe he thought for a second that his, he had that much power. Maybe. That power of Hulkamania. <laughs> It's coursing through his veins. It is, man. It does run wild from time to time. He really he took his vitamins that morning. It is it is hilarious how big of a troll job on just the biggest stage. The biggest stage. It's great. Yeah, it's it so is great. Pretty awesome. Number four. Four. Lex Luger versus Yokozuna. So there was a time where it seemed like they were grooming uh, the man formerly known as a narcissist to be uh, the heir apparent to uh, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. As top yeah. baby face. Um, they had the Lex Express. He was mm-hmm. touring the, the whole country in his, in his custom bus. Well, things fell apart with Sid. Sid was yes. going to be, he was groomed. We'll get to more of that later, too. We'll get more on that later, yeah. He was going to be groomed as a new top guy, but instead of being a massive baby face and making tons of money, Sid decided, I'd rather be a heel. That's kind of the longest short of it. Uh, Luger seemed cool with being groomed to be the top baby face of the company. He yeah. did the whole tour. Uh, they had a body slam challenge on the deck of the USS Intrepid, I believe, the mm-hmm. aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luger showed up in a helicopter to much fanfare mm-hmm. and much drama and body slammed Yokozuna setting up this match. Which, by the way, people massively popped for oh, yeah. when he did that. Yeah. And so uh, you have Yokozuna as your WWE champion after beating Hogan at King of the Ring um, against Luger, uh, relatively, uh, or coming off a, a relatively recent face term because of the previous Wrestlemania he was a narcissist we came out with all the women with the mirrors and all that stuff their butts all hanging out that was just a several couple months prior to this <laughs> right this um, is a complete rebranding yeah totally um, and so he comes to the, he comes into this match he wins or given that it's an American angle do you think this is a natural evolution of narcissist to pure American <laughs> I'm sorry anyways, go ahead I guess the case could be made um, uh, he wins via count out yeah he hits, I believe, Yokozuna with the elbow. Mm-hmm. Yokozuna goes flying out of the ring. Uh, he just stands there and gets the count out. Problem is, you don't win the championship on a count no. out in WWF. No. Yet the face locker room pours out of the back into the ring and hoists him in the air. He's holding an American flag. Yeah. Uh, there's confetti falling down. The fanfare would indicate that a title changed hands. Right. However, that was not the case. No. Yokozuna would hold that title until the following WrestleMania when he dropped it to Bret Hart mm-hmm. after beating Lex Luger. Lex didn't seem earlier in the night. He didn't seem uh, he didn't seem worried or concerned or upset at all that he he didn't win the title. Like usually these days, especially you get a count out victory, it's like 
Why even bother? Why am I well, doing Well, here, like... pull up that picture again. Pull up yeah. the, 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 the picture we used. Uh, let's see here, this one. Look in those eyes. That's a happy guy. Oh, there's a little bit of emptiness in there. You think so? Well, yeah. I think that's just Lex Luger in general. No, I feel like there's, there's like, he knows. He's, he knows, like, why am I celebrating? He's holding the American flag. He's I didn't realize that. He's up, dude. I realize that, but he didn't win anything. I don't know what's going on with Lex Luger. He didn't win anything. Eyes, man. Yeah. Get down to it, he didn't win anything. Adulation, he won adulation. Well, that, that, was, that was short-lived, however. Well, in character, though, he was written to not care. Regardless of what you see in his eyes, there he's yeah. written to, to like be very excited about this. But it's funny because like number one, the idea that a countout you don't win a title on a countout is stupid, anyways. I think the in New Japan, I think you win a title with countout via countout. I think that's why countouts feel like they matter more over there. Um, yeah, that could be. I don't I know. think you can. I've never heard that. I, I really doubt they've had that finish. At any time, <laughs> oh, probably any time recently with an actual title change. It's kind of interesting. Um, in any event, yeah, it is really bizarre. And then, of course, uh, after this, uh, Lex and Brett uh, both won the 94 Royal Rumble, both yeah. giving him a title shot at WrestleMania against Yokozuna, who still had that title. And, uh, of course, uh, instead of doing something like a triple threat match, uh, no. They, uh, they had two matches. Yokozuna had to fight two matches. Uh, one against Lex Luger early, which Luger lost. Mm-hmm. And then later on against Brett, which Brett won. <clears throat> At that point, he was new WWE champion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely an oddball ending. Not a very good match. You got two guys who really aren't very good wrestlers in the first no. place going at it. Uh, I mean, even Brett couldn't bring Yokozuna to a decent match at, mm-hmm. at Mania 94 mm-hmm. or Mania 93. Nope. So, anyways, their flirtation with Lex Luger was short-lived. Yes. It was about three months. Yeah, more or less. Anyway, <clears throat> moving on. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Number three. Three. 
Uh, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. Custody on a pole match. Yes. Custody above the a ladder match. Yes. Um, it, the great thing about that match is that it starts out and Michael Cole, without a hint, without a hint of, of tongue-in-cheekedness or irony or anything, he says, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time a child's custody will be decided. <laughs> it's totally straight-faced. In a ladder match. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's completely straight-faced. Near uh, as I can tell, you can win a belt via countout in New Japan. Interesting. That's cool. I thought I remember hearing that. I wonder if anybody has. Um, so, uh, yeah, this was, again, I mean, just the fact that, I mean, we could literally move on at this point uh, because I just said the words, a child's custody was determined this ladder match. Surprised this isn't number one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and maybe it, it, it's up there. The match itself, obviously, look, you think of Rey Mysterio, oh, awesome. Eddie Guerrero. Match was terrific. It did have a bit of a wonk finish, uh, which did actually protect Eddie Guerrero, who went on after this to challenge Batista for the uh, big title, I think, the big gold belt. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so a month earlier, the Great American Bash, I think, uh, is when uh, Eddie, the, the build to that, Eddie Guerrero had basically insinuated uh, the, via story time that Dominic, Eddie Gr- uh, Rey Mysterio's child, his son, uh, was biologically his own. Uh, Eddie said, uh, I'm your poppy. Uh, and uh, he said, basically says, he, he'd, he'd built up this idea that he had the secret about Dominic and it was kind of obvious what he was getting at. And he says, I will reveal the secret uh, if Rey, uh, if I beat, when I beat Rey at the bash. Rey won via roll-up at the bash. And Eddie uh, at the SmackDown afterwards or whatever was like, I don't care that I lost. I'm going to reveal a secret. Anyways, I'm Dominic's actual dad. Uh, there was some convoluted story going on there from some very soap opera stuff. Uh, Ray had to break it down to Dominic. Yeah, I'm not your actual poppy. Eddie's your poppy. Uh, but I still love you. You're my son. Ray got very defiant and said, Eddie, uh, no, I'm, I'm his dad. His first word was dad. And he looked at me and he said, so mm-hmm. I know I'm his mm-hmm. dad. Eddie produces custody papers. He wants Dominic. Uh, and uh, the whole story is basically Eddie can't beat Ray, so he's trying to attack him in other ways. Yes. And so uh, they agree to put custody papers above a ladder and have a ladder match for the custody of Dominic. Uh, uh, Vicky Guerrero, prior to the match, tries to convince Eddie, hey, listen, man, I love you, but uh, you're just doing this to hurt Ray's family. You're doing this to hurt him. Uh, because you haven't been able to prove that you're better than Ray, and that's what this is really about. Eddie gets mad at Vicky Guerrero. They have the match. Uh, Eddie uh, is on the cusp of winning when Vicky Guerrero comes down and shoves the ladder. Eddie falls, uh, allowing Ray to climb the ladder. As Eddie goes after Ray, Vicky holds him back. Ray gets the briefcase, uh, retains custody of Dominic, um, and then it's funny at the end of the match, he was, Ray was dicking around up there. He was like holding it. If you watch it, he's like holding on to the chain and he's got the briefcase and he sort of like puts his feet on the ladder and then he just decides, screw it. He's going to fall. So he just falls. And I swear to God, it looked like he blew out his knee. It looked like a cornet. Oh fall. my gosh. I think he was fine, but it looked really bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was just one of the little footnotes on that match. But, uh, yeah, they fought for a kid's custody. Yeah. That's pretty weird. It's very weird. Very soap opery. It's it's oddly weird. Again, this is two thousand five. Yeah. It's when they were doing all that weird stuff. Yeah. 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 So moving on. Moving on. Number two. Two. Uh, the Undertaker versus NWO Undertaker. Yeah. So this all uh, starts at uh, Royal Rumble ninety four when True Undertaker 
Actual takes Undertaker. on uh, Yokozuna in a casket match. He loses. He disappears for a while to uh, recuperate from a back injury. That was real. <clears throat> that was real. Yeah. Um, and then WWF starred Aaron Vignettes um, about uh, claiming uh, from people saying, I've seen The Undertaker. I've seen The Undertaker. And then Ted DiBiase, who initially introduced Undertaker to the WWF back in 1990, brought a new Undertaker, mm-hmm. um, except it wasn't real Undertaker. No. It was primetime Brian Lee as Undertaker with Phantom of the Opera mask on. Yeah. Uh, watching the uh, the recap package on this, too, is hilarious, too, because it's, number one, everything was cheesy back then. But, you know, they go around town asking a bunch of New Yorkers or talking to a bunch of New Yorkers who have all seen the Undertaker, various locations, a pizzeria, a flower shop, uh, they had one bit where Ted DiBiase, wearing his full Million Dollar Man outfit, uh, was in a cemetery looking very self-conscious, having to deliver a promo about his new Undertaker. Yeah. You know, who knows? It might have been like a family over here trying to dump some flowers in their poor child's grave or something. I know, and he's there trying to cut a promo. <laughs> exactly. It was all pretty tasteless. Yeah. But everything was back then. This is like the high of the steroid trial. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so the match was made at SummerSlam 1994. A real Undertaker versus NWO Undertaker. Uh, and then during the actual show, because we hadn't seen real Undertaker yet. Right. We hadn't seen him. And so during the actual, all throughout SummerSlam, you had Leslie Nielsen um, doing his uh, naked gun type stuff, trying to find the Undertaker. Yeah, the there was like a weird comedy angle with Leslie Nielsen inserted into it. Which when you think, oh, Undertaker versus Undertaker, there's all sorts of supernatural stuff involved. Let's get Leslie Nielsen involved. Right. Like, at least get Colombo. Yeah. Who's Peter another Falk. good? Or, like, you know, good. Robert Stack. Yeah. Oh, Bring yeah. Unsolved Mysteries. Was like the good. height of Unsolved yeah, Mysteries. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. There's any number of probably better options there. Yeah, instead of taking a comedic angle to it. 94. That was two years. That was a year after X-Files debuted. It oh, was yeah. pretty hot at the time. Yeah. Could have brought in Mulder and, yeah, Mulder and Scully. Yeah. Or one of them, or both yeah. of them. Totally. Um, Anyways, this match was hot garbage. Um, it was like a nine-minute match. It was I know. crap. It was awful. It was, it was all NWO Undertaker attempting to do real Undertaker moves, and then real Undertaker would stop him and then execute his own moves. The real Undertaker moves, I And guess. then I think it was like two tombstones. Yeah, and then real Undertaker wins. You got some druid show up, put fake Undertaker in a casket, and take him off. And that was it. The, like, there was no, <clears throat> there was no like, okay, what's the ruse here? What's DiBiase trying to get at? What's he doing? Who is this other Undertaker? What's his endgame? Yeah. Yeah, what's exactly? There was no endgame. There was no endgame. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what the stakes were. What, like, if if NWO Undertaker would have beat real Undertaker, would he be true Undertaker then at that would point? Would he be actual Undertaker? Then would real Undertaker then be NWO Undertaker? Yeah, I, I don't think those stakes were ever laid out, man. Like this was SummerSlam. Why didn't they go further with this? Why didn't they have NWO Undertaker? The beat real, Undertaker? the real main event of the show was Brett Noen in the cage. Yeah, that sure. went for like more than a yeah, half yeah, hour. Yeah, that was a real main event. It was a really show. good match. It was a good match. But this was not a good match. No, it was terrible. And uh, I don't know why they just didn't keep going with it. It's weird. Well, I know why they didn't keep going with it because it was terrible, and they had the blow off, and it was over. There's nothing more. Yeah, but you can everything do with they it. had was at the time was terrible. They didn't, you know, they even they gave they gave Luger like a good what from SummerSlam to Mania run as like guy who might be champion, guy America guy who could be champion. Yeah, I don't tell you, man. It's gonna have been hot, man. No, who did Taker fight in at Mania '95? Then so that have been number eleven. Yeah, that have been Mania 11. Yeah. Because 10 was the previous year. That was... You said 95? Yeah. So let me see. WrestleMania 11. 
was he on the card? Was it Nash? It was. No, Nash fought HPK. It was King Kong Bundy. Really? Yep. That was probably a crap match. Yeah, it probably was. Why didn't they just have fake Undertaker fight him again? And like, or at least like reveal who this fake Undertaker is. Yeah. Like, you know, he's part of the new million dollar corporation or they call I'll it. I'll tell that. you, man. I think you're expecting too much for like a stopgap feud. It's a pretty big deal, though. It is. You'd <laughs> think it wouldn't be a stopgap feud, but it's essentially what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, man. Prime time, Brian Lee. Yep. That's what it was. Anyways, let's get to number one, man. One. I'm excited about this. What do you oh, think yeah. number one is? Number well, one. I know what it is. One. Backstage, backstage contract renegotiations gone wild. Yep. That's right. Team Hogan versus Team Slaughter. This is uh, SummerSlam 91. Oh, you forgot to mention Sid, guest referee. So oh, see this picture. So here. originally I had uh, Hulk Hogan slash Ultimate Warrior versus uh, Sergeant Slaughter and Friends. And that was, it was like running. Yeah, it was way too long. Yeah, yeah, way too long. It was way too long. It was a difficult one to. So this is the conclusion of the uh, Sergeant Slaughter as Iraqi sympathizer storyline. It was the conclusion also of, (laughs) it was also the conclusion of Ultimate Warrior's first stint with WWE. Yes. Um, (laughs) Let's get to the storyline stuff first. So previous Mania, Hogan beat Slaughter for the WWF title. Um, Of course, Sergeant Slaughter defeated Warrior for that same belt at the Rebel prior to that mania. Uh, you would think Hogan beating Sergeant Slaughter for the belt would end that storyline. No, they milked another three months out of it. Yeah. Um, and this was a blow-off. So it's heat. It's real heat. Yeah, it's dangerous heat, it's man. Dangerous it's dangerous. like highly offensive heat. So too. you get Hogan and Warrior teaming up to take on Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, Adnan, sorry, who was the Iron Sheik. Um, Becca, Becca. And, uh, no, Adnan was... Was Mustafa? Yes, Colonel Mustafa. Colonel Mustafa was Iron Sheik. Yeah, Adnan was... Was the, the manager the guy. manager guy. Yeah, sorry, I got that backwards. I don't know I what his deal was, though. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's, it's a handicapped tag match, and uh, Sid's inserted there as special guest ref because that when he was starting to uh, make his way in WWE after some vignettes had aired... Um, yeah, Colonel Mustafa is the Iron Sheik. Wow. General Adnan in 1971 defeated Andre the Giant in Baghdad. Wow. Under the auspices of his former friend at high school, Saddam Hussein. That is interesting. Whoa. All right. Yeah. Um, so, where was I? This tag match. Uh, so, let's get to the backstage stuff. So, about a month, what? He's still alive, too. Oh, wow. About a month prior, apparently, uh, Ultimate Warrior uh, sent Vince a letter saying he would no-show SummerSlam 91 unless he was paid the sum of $550,000. Has that letter ever been produced? I don't know. Uh, Since then, both Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter have said that uh, apparently there was talk, or at least consideration, of dealing with the matter physically. Is that the letter? I don't know. It was the letter they issued to Warrior firing him. Um, anyways. Yeah, that's what this is, I think. Anyways, Vince didn't want to have uh, Hogan or Slaughter break uh, Ultimate Warrior's legs or anything. Um, he paid the Warrior the money, match happened, and then fired him right after SummerSlam. Yeah. yeah. Um, although the Warrior would later say that he was not fired. He was suspended and then quit in protest. I'm going to believe WBF on this one. 
<laughs> yeah. It's rare. It's rare that you're like, oh yeah, no, I totally believe Vince here. Yeah. Um, and then uh, apparently Vince uh, thought, well, he had to pay the money because the fans were expecting the match. Uh, but apparently, quote, could not wait to fire him after the pay-per-view. Um, during the match, the conclusion of the match, you got Warrior. He chases um, gosh, uh, Adnanam and Mustafa. Yeah. Up the ramp with, with the, chair. the chair. Yeah, Hogan takes a handful of powder. While Sid was paying attention to where Warrior was. Yeah, throws it in the face of Sergeant Slaughter. Hits a leg drop. Gets the pin. One, two, three. Really fast count from Sid. Again, Hogan using the powder. Okay. Hogan was a heel the Here's whole time. Here's the funny thing, dude. The physics or the, the, the momentum of the match at that point lent itself perfectly to simply a big boot followed by a leg drop. He didn't need to do. What was, how was throwing powder? He'd already beat Slaughter once at this point. How was cheating a necessity He's at this not. point? He was always kind of a heel, man. He just did it. He just did it. Dick. Yeah. And so Warriors backstage, he's out of the equation. He's probably getting fired by Vince right then and there. Yeah. And then you have Hogan and Sid in the middle of the ring celebrating. Because um, this is all. Yeah, Warrior didn't come back out. And I'm still curious because they celebrated for a good like seven minutes. Because Sid was about to be gone. Of course, Hogan celebrates forever. And then he calls Sid, who's new to the WWF. Well, they're grooming him to be the next top guy. Right. The next face of the company. Right. Next, a huge baby face. Right. And as I said at the beginning of the show, Sid at some point decided, I don't want to be a baby face and be top guy and make all this money. I'm more, I have more fun as a heel. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so he's, he declined this massive push, massive payday, and instead uh, wanted to be a heel. Uh, he hurt his bicep like a couple months later, was gone to the, the following Royal Rumble anyways. Yeah. Had his mania match against Hogan at WrestleMania 8. A god-awful match. Oh, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, and he was coming and going to the WWF several times. Yeah, he just that. went to whoever whoever would like promise him time off for softball, he'd go there. Or if they didn't promise him, he'd just quit. <laughs> or no show. Right, exactly. Um, it's just between what happened backstage, the booking of the match. I do wonder. It's though, all just weird. I'm sure. This, I'm sure. Like the information is out there somewhere. But this this Hogan celebration was so long. I wonder if Vince said, "Hey, keep them celebrating for like eight minutes." I got uh, some business to handle. I got back some business here. to handle. But no, the, it was actually a letter. So it was a letter sent to him. We have the so the letter uh, wrestlinginc.com has the transcript of the letter because Warriors, of course, was just scrawled in Warrior script. So it was kind of difficult to read, but they did actually break it down here. Wrestling Inc. broke this down uh, back in 2014. This is what Warrior uh, sent to Vince. Writing this is a different approach and expressing my feelings about the things we discussed the last two days under the pressure of TV, knowing that any second someone would be knocking on the door, etc., Every other avenue we tried via phone, face-to-face, myself still walking away with unanswered questions. Always put off till a later date. Always with the same result. No result. Writing sometimes allows a person to express feelings or say things that don't come in conversations such as we have. So you know this is going to be, this by the way was a three-page letter. Oh my gosh. Uh, So let's skip to the juicy bit. Uh, The long-term plan has changed. At first, I was reluctant for what I believed were the right reasons, but once again, I went with what I knew I couldn't believe in. Vince has never effed me. I dealt with what you thought was the best, no matter what to the cost to me, no matter the countless number of sleepless nights there were to come, no matter the number of times I had to knock on your door with questions I should never have had. For the last two and a half years, I should have, by the way, this is deep into the letter. 
So I'm not, he's saying the same things he said in the first thing. Uh, in reaching this conclusion, I ask for these things. You say 500000 for WrestleMania is unfair. Then I say the last eight and a half years of not being compensated equally when I meant as much or more to the company was total BS and most definitely unfair. I have sacrificed more than 500000 more than $1 million, even more in monies that should have been paid to mine receiving equal compensation as Hulk. I paid my goddamn dues long ago. I'd need not pay anymore. I have given everything and never once was there a knock on my effing door, whether to bullshit as a friend or help me through times of need or you trusting to help through you through yours. I don't know what he's talking about here. Uh, I ask these things, Vince, and the answers must come for the next event is upon you. Uh, yeah. I want one. $550,000 release from the monies allotted to me to purchase my home. This will suffice as my WrestleMania 7 payoff, but let it be noted, it is not fair. I meant as much or more to that show as Hulk. I deserve to be paid the same. I know what Hulk will get. Two, four days off every other time period except pay-per-view only. Three, I want the same pay cut as Hulk gets on all pay-per-views, Sunday night main event, Saturday night main events, Friday primetime, house shows, and proof of such. So he just wants the same amount of, as money as uh, Hulk. Uh, I want numbers and proof of monies done on 1900 Hulk and likewise same pay cut. Was there a 1900? I guess there was a, a Hulk Hogan phone, phone line. line. Five, same pay cut on all forms of merchandising. Because I have had to always knock on your door, words alone are not good enough. I understood. Uh, let's see here. And then Jim. And then uh, here's a very succinct letter from Vince McMahon. Dear Jim. This letter is in response to your facsimile to me of July 10th, 1991. You will be paid an aggregate amount of $550,000 for your participation in WrestleMania 7. With the exception of special events only, you will see four days off every other time period. Uh, three, your pay rate on house shows will increase four to 5% of the net. Uh, merchandise royalties increased. Compensation for the Warrior 900 hotline will be identical to that of Hulk Hogan 900 hotline. Documentation for this will follow in writing in what within one week i regret the turmoil you put yourself through and you're agonizing over what you feel is fair compensation even though we have a difference of opinion over some of these matters i am resolved to work with you in the same honest and equitable way that i always have furthermore i would like to express to you my deepest appreciation admiration for you as a performer as a member of the wwa family as a man and as my friend vince and of course he was so antsy to fire him after wow that wow do you imagine you probably just told some lawyer you draft that letter Say I'll draft some legal BS. Some BS, and then I'm going to fire him. Wow. <clears throat> wow. That's something else. Yep. So, just weird shenanigans backstage. Weird leathery Hogan in the oh, ring. Weird, weird industry. Weird jacked Sid. Yeah, man. It was crazy, man. That's was a weird, weird, stuff. weird, weird, weird time. It was a weird industry that we're kind of tangentially a part of. Totally man. is. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Hopefully, you guys will join us tomorrow at SummerSlam. And also, remember, blowout sale right now. Friendomarket.com. Promo code BLOWOUT. 25% off. Everything. Go do it. Thanks for watching. Till next time. Talk to you later. Bye.
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.